There is no greater joy than knowing him. We're going to be doing something a little different today. Youth, you're with us today. We're glad to have you with us, youth, um, today. And um, let's acknowledge the Lord and pray before we start. Jesus, we are so grateful that we get to know you. I just pray, Lord, that the revelation of that privilege of knowing you would go deep into our hearts this morning. Pray for every heart here, including myself, Lord, that we would be yielded to you and have soft hearts before you, teachable hearts. We thank you for all that your word means to us. We know that you want to increase that love for your word in every one of our hearts. So we pray, Lord, that we would sit before you now and that you would speak to us by your spirit. We would be listening, not just to gain information, but to be changed. We thank you for the privilege of revelation. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Doing something a little different. Normally, we are going through the book of James. If you're visiting with us, we go through the Bible from all the way from beginning to end, and we're making our way through the New Testament book by book. We're currently in the book of James, but the Holy Spirit um, directed my heart in another direction. Um, and I just wanted to share with you a little bit about that. So this past week, I went to a conference called uh, Mount Hermon Christian Conference, and put on by Calvary Chapel. It's near Santa Cruz. How many have gone to that before? They know where that is, Mount Hermon Conference. It's a beautiful place. Haven't got to go for the full three days in a few years, and um, a lot of great speakers there, men that I trust and respect, and are mentors to me and examples to me, really my heroes in many ways, and uh, had a great um, conference, great conference, and then the last day came on Wednesday, happened to be September 11th, I don't know what the significance of that is, but maybe I'll, the Lord will give me knowledge and understanding later. But the last session I was to attend, because I had to leave a little bit early, I had to miss, miss the last session. Uh, the last session that I could attend was um, taught by uh, K.P. Yohannan. If you don't know who K.P. Yohannan is, he's the, the founder and president of Gospel for Asia. He oversees 14,000 native missionaries in India and around Asia and uh, I think 52 Bible colleges and uh, can you imagine his inbox every morning? Uh, wow, just whoo! And what I love about him is that he really walks with God and um, so I was really looking forward to his second teaching. I enjoyed his first teaching and so I was listening to him and I'm um, sorry if I get a little emotional. Got to get my tissue out here. There we go. It's all ready to go. Uh, so I was sitting there, and, and I wasn't expecting any uh, big revelation or anything like that. But, um, man, the Lord just revealed so much stuff to me. And it was totally, in many ways, just apart from what he was saying. I mean, God was just using the occasion in my open heart. At least I wanted to be open. And just revealed what I really refer to as... An epiphany. I mean, just a 
a revelation between, and he just personally revealed things to me about my life and about knowing him. And, you know, they give definitions for things, as you know, and epiphany is an interesting definition. I want to read it to you for Web, from Webster's. It says, a usually sudden manifestation or perception of the essential nature or meaning of something, or an intuitive grasp of reality through something as an event, usually it's simple and striking, or an illuminating discovery, realization, or disclosure. What I experienced was much more than that, but that's as close as I can get. Uh, I don't really know how to fully describe it, and I, it's frustrating to me because I want to uh, so badly. And But it was those things that I mentioned in that definition, much of those things, but it was far beyond that, and, and it it's something that has changed my life. And so I want to share it with you today. And I don't know how well I'm going to share it with you. And it's not, you're going to go, well, we knew that. Thank you for catching up to us. You know, I don't know what your reaction is going to be. Uh, it's the simplest truths, but it's just um, has a whole new significance for me and, and how I've, and, and for many different, in many different ways. So this encounter with him and this revelation of what he showed me is the most powerful time where I've had of him revealing truth to me since the day I met Jesus. And, in, you know, that's a long time, at least in my mind, 23 years. And, and so since then, I've never experienced anything like that. And so when God reveals something like that, like that to you, you know it, you can't um, dispute it. Uh, I, it was hard for me to talk for the, an hour afterwards. I, I was weeping. I mean, it was, it was pretty incredible. And, I, and it's like I knew everything what he revealed to me, it's like I instantly knew uh, every, you know, much of everything I'm ever going to learn about it. And I, I could a- maybe answer some questions uh, for people asking about it at the moment. I just felt like, I mean, I'm not describing that right. It's like as if I, I just knew so much more about what he revealed compared to the time in which he spent revealing it to me. It's like he's just so good at revealing things to us. And, and so I knew immediately it would affect everything because... It's so simple, and, and, and from that, everything else flows in, in our walk with the Lord. And, and um, so this is what he revealed to me. Um, our idea of what it means to have a relationship with him is not what he intends for us. It's far, far, far beyond what, how we think about having a relationship with God. And what he revealed to me is that what it, it's just... The, the, the specifics of what it means to intimately walk with him, what that means, what it, what it looks like, and, and, and how he taught me to think about it, how he taught me to understand it, how he taught me to view life through it. And that's why it changes everything. It overflows into everything in my walk with the Lord and the ministry that he lets me be a part of and so forth. And, and, and it hit me during that time when KP was teaching that that's the reason why I hear him talk about that all the time, because it's the center of everything. All he ever wants to talk about is knowing Christ more and getting closer to Christ. That's, it's just, I've thought in the past, okay, I know that, I believe that, but, you know, KP, you know some other things from the scriptures. I want to hear those things, and, but it really is the center. Knowing Jesus is everything. And so we know that word, again, that we know that word relationship, but what does it mean? What does it mean to have a personal relationship with Jesus? And, and how does that practically translate 
into our lives? How does that overflow into how we live our lives? And so it, it, you know, it means seeing our daily devotional lives um, as, you know, in our time with him and in our uh, worship of him and our interaction with him as everything, that nothing is more important than that. That we could make a long list of priorities, but that one priority of engaging Jesus as believers should be the highest priority and not something that, and, and we kind of look at it as, as like a task, like a box to be checked off, a thing on my long list of things to do. Would you like to be put on a list as something for someone to do? To, to, to say, I'm going to discipline myself to spend so many minutes with you a day. How would that make us feel? And I know that God isn't like us in many, many ways. But to think that he would want to have an intimate relationship with us. And so I realize that it's not that having a, 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 a time where I make sure that I do a certain thing or certain set of um, actions is not necessarily the same as walking intimately with Jesus. And I thought, and there have been plenty of moments where I've had intimacy with Jesus, but I just haven't had the intimacy with Jesus that he's calling all of us to. And, and, and oh man, it just changes everything to realize that he wants to have that kind of intimacy with us every moment, every day. And so we can close our hearts, we can have our time with him, you know, however that is every day, whatever that looks like for us, and then the rest of the day our hearts are closed. To him. He wants our hearts open to him all through the day. And I've had that obviously at times here and there, but nothing like since last Wednesday. Nothing. Not even close. KP talked about a man who walked, wanted to walk um, with God. And I don't have the details right. There was, I was in and out so much of his message. I haven't listened to it again, and I will, trust me. Uh, there's so much of his message. I was just in and out and just talking with the Lord, and he was talking to me. And uh, But he, talk, I, he talked about this man who wanted to get closer to Jesus, so he spent some time with him every day, and, and he, he, he communicated in the sense of, you know, an hour and two hours and three hours, and he got up to seven or eight hours communing with God a day, in addition to having his heart open all the way through the day with the Lord and everything. And it changed him so radically that, he said that he would go into a meeting, and this is probably in India, I don't remember, but he would go into a meeting and demons would manifest, that inside demon-possessed people, uh, and people would get healed, or people would confess sins or want to be uh, saved, or, you know, it was just this, the, God's hand upon this man was so powerful, and this man attributed it to walking closely with Jesus. And so he started really changing and, and, and letting the Lord impact other people around him even that it was totally separated from what he was saying or doing at the moment just the fact that God's blessing was upon his life because he communed so closely with Jesus that that God used his life as a as a a, a vessel in ways he had no idea have you ever had someone say you you know you said such and such and you're I don't really remember saying that and it was so and they say it's so powerful I mean I hear people's comments about the sermon, you know, and I loved it when you said this. <laughs> I don't know who you're listening to, but I, you know, I didn't, but I'm thankful you were blessed. I mean, so much of what the Holy Spirit does and how he blesses the teaching of his word goes beyond what we do or don't do. And, and so I thought of at that moment when KP's teaching this, I'm thinking of Peter, 
walking and his shadow falling on people and them getting healed. Or Paul with the handkerchiefs or whatever that people would get and they would be touched. I mean, you just, I would just think of, could that have been because they spent so much time with the Lord, at least in part? Very possible. I mean, just God's power resting upon a life. And then it dawned on me as I'm listening to KP that his walk is so, he walks for 40, 45 years been walking with the Lord. And he, his own testimony is that for the first 30 years, he kind of did things not the, the best way related to you know, trusting the Lord and, and being dependent upon him. So he definitely would say, he'd be the first one to say, I'm not perfect and I've made mistakes and I've learned whatever, but he's had many, many years of walking closely with the Lord. And I was thinking, well, could it be that a lot of what's happening to me right now is in part because of his walk? You know, and I just thought, I don't know, but I, I just, I'm thankful for godly examples that, that we have. After that message, I realized a lot of things. And I wasn't doing a lot of talking, um, so I had time to think. And I just, I just had this sense by the Spirit that I would um, have all the self-control I would need if I walked with Jesus like this. That I would, any, anything that my, I sensed a lack in my, my life related to what I should do, obeying God's word, that if I walked closely with Jesus like he was talking about, that I'd never have done on a consistent way whatsoever, that I would have all the self-control. And I need a lot of self-control in areas. And God's growing me in those things. I also knew I'd be successful whatever he leads me to do. You know, the, when we talk about faith and understanding and trusting God, and God gives every man a measure of faith, and there is such a thing as a spiritual gift, the gift of faith and so forth. But when, you're, when you have faith, you trust. And, and it's like you know things that you shouldn't know. You trust in ways that are supernatural, that, that go beyond human understanding. And I just got this sense that, Everything he leads me to do, it's going to be successful. I mean, I don't always believe that. I should, but I don't always believe that things that, uh, that I'm going to be doing, he's going to make a success. Uh, and, and the key is, if he's leading, of course. But it was just a blessing for him to come in and just say, you're going to be successful at, at everything I lead you to do. It really touched me. I also knew that I was to, to keep Jesus at the center of everything. Everything. And, that, and KP did say at one point, what if you cared more about what, how Jesus is seen than, than how you're seen? And he talked about us using a lot of words, and we've been looking at that in James as we've gone through the book of James. And I had mentioned that in the, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, we're told. And, and he communicated, basically, this is how I received it, is that when we talk a lot, especially about even things that God's doing in our lives, sometimes those things are private things. And, I, and he showed me that I share some things that I need to have some discretion over, that those things may be between just me and him, and I just share those things and, and inadvertently put focus on myself more than I ought to. And that was a big thing for me to hear, you know, so it was encouraging. Since last Wednesday, and I'm only saying this to tell you how it's affected my life, okay? Since last Wednesday, I've spent hours and hours and hours and hours communing with, communing with the Lord. Hours. And I can't tell you how much it's changed um, my life. Just walking with him, worshiping him, talking to him, listening to him, talk to me, hearing his voice constantly, having all the self-control that I need. All of, I mean, <laughs> I know, I'm not saying I've been sinless. Okay, don't get me wrong. <laughs> my, my, did I hear an amen from my wife? Uh, no, but, uh, you know, I, I've had all the self-control that I've needed. 
And, and so it's, I just, it's been, I've never, I've had little pockets of this here and there, but nothing like this. And I know that we can't spend 12 hours a day necessarily or eight hours a day. I mean, we, we have different things that we're engaged in. God understands that, so don't get me wrong. You know, but I'm just trying to tell you that he is beckoning us to go closer to him. And our, well, how we define relationship is entirely different than what, how he defines relationship. So he's helped me not to react to things as, you know, like I normally would. He's, 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 I've seen the fruit of the Spirit come out of my life like I've, like I've never seen before in the last few days. And, and I, I just have every bit of confidence that that's going to continue and I'm not on some kind of treadmill thing where, you know, I'm on my, I'm, I'm striving in my own strength and I'm like, okay, I got to do it this long every day and we're going to get into some of that in a minute. But um, there's, a, there's a right way to look at it that's healthy that, that, you know, when we've, if we've come from a legalistic environment where we've had all these man-made rules and stuff, it, it's not going to be something like that at all. It, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful relationship I've also sensed the ability to love like I've never been able to love before. And that's the main thing that he produces. Through the Spirit is love. It's the first thing he mentions. That's how all men will know that you're my disciples, of how you love one another. It's beautiful when, it's, when it happens the way it's supposed to happen. So I've been able to walk in those things. And lastly, he's opened my, up my mind and my understanding to the scriptures related to these things like never before. I'm looking at scriptures completely different than I ever have in the past because now they, I understand a, a little bit more of, of what God intended by um, stating him the way he, that, he, that he has related to our walk with him. So I want to look at the, a few of these scriptures today that, that uh, I, I think of when I think of walking closely, intimately with God. And, and some of the, we're very familiar with, with almost all of these verses, many of us. But I want us to think about in the context of really walking with God, really communing with him, really uh, engaging him moment by moment all the time, spending, uh, and we'll get into you know, how to do it and everything, but just spending all the time he wants us to spend every single day with alone time. It's not that we have our time with him, our alone time, and then we never open up our hearts towards him the rest of the day. It's not, that's not what he's aiming at. But there is an alone time. And, and I think the life that he's required us to live or called us to live far exceeds everything that we've, many of us have done, myself for sure, have done in terms of our alone time to facilitate success. So we've been frustrated, many of us, about certain things in our lives and how we haven't been able to do certain things. And all the time we're shooting ourselves in the foot because we haven't had the alone time that he's beckoning us to, even apart from how it practically changes our life, just the fact that he wants us. He wants to be with us and have that intimacy with us. So let's look at a few of these. If you would, please, please turn to Mark chapter 3. And let's look at uh, verse 13. We're told, and he, he, that is Jesus, went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. Look at that. Wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach 
and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. And he just jumps out at me in verse 14 that he might, they might be with him. Think about God in human flesh. With, and, and think about those disciples, <laughs> you know, what they were about at the moment, fighting who's going to be the greatest and all. It's not like they were the cream of the crop. We know that. That's what gives us hope. But they, he wanted a, intimacy with them. He, he wanted to train them, of course. We know that. They were disciples. You know, the word disciple means like an apprentice, a learner, that you learn by experience, doing something. That's what it meant back then. And he wanted to train them, and he did. He sent, he, we're told in the verses that he wanted to send them out. He did send them out multiple times. But it wasn't just for that. He wanted to be with them and have that intimacy with them. And he wanted them. Notice at the end of verse 13, or close to it, it says that he himself wanted. He wanted them. He desired them. He wants us. And just when he gets us as believers and we surrender our lives to him, he doesn't stop wanting us. He, remember, we're the bride. He's the bridegroom. We've been betrothed to him. He loves us. He has a passion for us. We're the apple of his eye. Our names are written in the palm of his hand. I could go on and on and on. He is absolutely delighted with us and is in love with us. And he's calling us to go closer to him and to enjoy him. Knowing our frailties, knowing our shortcomings, knowing our sin, knowing all those things, he still wants us to come to him. Now let's go over to John chapter 14. A couple books to the right. I want to look at uh, the last part of 14 and first part of uh, 15. But think of intimacy with him as a relationship. Verse 15 of chapter 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. The word another means another of the same kind. I will give you another of the same kind type of helper, that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. Look at the last part of verse 18. I will come to you a little longer, a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me, and I in you. You can't communicate any more intimacy than that right there. You're in me, I'm in you, we're one. That is as close as you can get. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and notice, and manifest myself to him manifest myself to him that's something that we should be experiencing as believers where he's manifesting his life to us not just in our alone time with him but we should have that obviously as part of that or the main way however you want to word it but he will manifest himself to us so you know think about our devotions and we 
have a time of reading a few verses or whatever, and we say a few prayers, if this, if this describes our alone time, and we go on and we're not impacted at all, we're, we're, we haven't really connected with him, but we're just kind of going through motions and we're checking off a box. That does not describe the end of verse 21. He will manifest himself to us. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Do you love Jesus? Then he says, Keep my word. And my Father will love him. And notice the last part of this. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Just think of them hearing that for the first time. Wow. That Jesus said we will come to him and make our home with him. It's not just being indwelt by the Spirit at salvation. It's, it's manifesting to us his presence and that intimacy that we should want and long for and that he wants. And, and, and he's made a way for it, it to happen. Chapter 15, I am the vine, the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So we're in that, in that relationship with inti- having that intimacy, intimacy with him. He prunes us. It's difficult. You ever see something get pruned? It looks like it's going to kill it. But he only does it because he loves us. Don't question his love. He prunes us to make us more fruitful for him. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. I never never understood abide like I do right now. I mean, I've said it, it means to, uh, you know, make our home with him or to dwell or to uh, I've heard it described, you know, kind of like what you do with, with, a, with a nice big chair. You sit down and just mm, get all comfortable and snuggle down and get... My, my son loves to, to snuggle and everything, and he just loves to mm, get all snuggly. You know, I've, seen, I've heard that word picture before. But now when I, when I think of abiding, it, it, it means that relationship that he intended. Not maybe, not, maybe not the one that we were thinking. The one where we are walking with him hand in hand. We're told that Enoch walked with God and was no more. God took him. There's that intimacy. He said about David, he's a man after my own heart. David wasn't perfect, but he had a heart after God. And when he was alone with God, before he was crowned king or or anointed king, he had that history with God, that intimacy with God. He knew God would come through when he fought those animals and so forth. He had that relationship. God was preparing him to be king long before he ever was even anointed. When Samuel didn't even recognize that he would be in contention for it or in the running for it. And God had to come in and say, man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. God knows our hearts. And he wants that deep, deep intimacy. And so he he says it, he says it, the only way that I think it's possible for us to even have it be said to us. Live in me. Live. Paul said in Acts chapter 17, in him we live and move and have our being. He's all, he's all pervasive. I guess I don't need that. <laughs> I better not cry over it because I'll have a tissue. But so, he, you know, it's 
everything. It's living in him. It's, it's existing in him. It's talking to him. It's him talking to us. It's that communion with him that we have all the time. And because we're so task-oriented, again, we can just think it's just this little thing that I do. I'm not minimizing shortness of time. Don't trust me. He can do a lot in a very short amount of time. That's not the issue. It's the issue of the heart. I can go through the motions and have my heart a million miles away because I just got to get this thing done so I can get on to more important things. We would never maybe verbalize that, but at least there are things that we think that need to get done and I, and they, I have to get to them. And many of those things are very valid things, but what can be more important than encountering him every day and then having that heart posture directed towards him of having that open heart all through the day? This is the last few days. It's just constant hearing his voice. Constant, constant, constant. I've just been surprised by it. But he has honored everything about going closer to him. Then he says, uh, As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. We've talked about this verse many, many times. But in light of this intimacy and this true relationship that he's called all of us to, it's going to look different with every person. I'm not interested in having everybody look exactly the same in their, their alone time and their, their time of, of communing with him throughout the day. That's not what he has in mind. That's the beauty of the Spirit because he leads us in different ways. But my heart should be just as open as anybody else. And, and fully devoted to him. But when we get frustrated because we're failing over and over and over again, and we can't do the right thing, we don't sense we have the power to do the right thing, we don't have wisdom, we have interpersonal conflicts with people, we're always getting in fights, we're not disciplined, or we're not being faithful with his money in our lives, or, or we're not preaching the gospel, or whatever it is, we fall short in many different ways. And we focus so much energy on solving those problems. We're, we're problem solvers here. Give me a problem, I'll, you know, where's my solve this problem for dummies book? Where's the Google search? Where's the infomercial? I can buy the Time Life book and learn how to do this or solve that. And he says, quit focusing on the problem. You're trying to produce fruit by yourself. You're not very good at it because I haven't made you in a way where you can produce spiritual fruit. You need to abide in me and, and uh, respond to me, beckoning to you to come to me and walk with me hand in hand, however I lead you to do it, and you will effortlessly find power and fruit coming out of your life to live a life that's pleasing to me. We have our focus all on the wrong thing. We look through the prism of our problems to see our lack of communing with him, and when when in reality we need to look from the vantage point of communing with him and see through that prism our problems, and then we see it disappear, at least in the sense of having a, a conquering influence in our life. We're, ne- we're always going to have problems. <laughs> Jesus said, in this life you will face tribulation. So he know, he's been honest with us, but he said, I've overcome the world. So you think, okay, how did Jesus overcome the world? Well, he's God in human flesh, okay, oh, that helps, obviously. But he didn't live in a way to where he, didn't, he wasn't an example to us on how to live. And, and he didn't just have a box he checked off of spending time with the Father and, and didn't have it <laughs> change everything. I mean, he's prayed all night many times, even before he chose those disciples to make sure that history knows that those, that, that was a, a decision that the Father made. 
That he, didn't, he wasn't by accident choosing those disciples. He knew who he, who he was getting so that when they have their hearts right and they actually get it the, to, to abide in him, like we're really seeing here, like he really intended, then he can do amazing miracles through their lives to show that, that God plus no one is a majority. And that the early church is not a, at a disadvantage because they don't have all the things that we have today that we think are so important to, to accomplish the work of God. His spirit is enough. And so he says, without me, you can do nothing. So maybe that's a revelation to some of us today. You've been trying so hard to do things in your own strength, and you've even been having consistent time with him. But he's saying, pray about expanding that out. He'll give you wisdom. I know that some of us have to be at work very early in the morning. There's, there's not an exact template in how it's supposed to look, but he, by the Spirit, can tell each one of us and say, this is what it looks for you. This is what it looks like for you. And you need to expand and under, your, your understanding of what it means to walk with me. And then you'll find all of this fruit just coming forth like crazy, and, and, and you're not even trying. We shouldn't have to try at all to produce spiritual fruit. It should just come forth naturally, so to speak, supernaturally through our lives. Look at verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and and, and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. You ever wonder why this is in here? Because you say, hey, I've asked for lots of things that I desired and didn't get them. So what is this talking about? Well, the key is really understanding what abide truly is, what we've been looking at. Because if you're communing with him and walking with him and getting his mind on things and his priorities become your priorities, the Apostle John said if if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we have that which we have asked. So as my heart is incrementally molded into his heart, then I start becoming and desiring the things that he wants. And I start asking for the things that he wants. And it becomes effortless. And I'm not asking all these things that, that are just going to spend those things on myself. Haven't we seen in James recently? He says, you ask, but you ask with, with bad motives. Because you want to spend those things on your desires. This is the opposite of that. So he, we have to start asking for things that are an overflow of our communion with him. In addition, when you commune with him and you walk with him, then you start understanding his heart related to answered prayer or how he answers prayer. Because he answers prayer in different ways, right? We know that. There's one writer that said, there are four ways God answers prayer. Number one, no, not yet. Number two, no, I love you too much. Three, yes, I thought you'd never ask. Four, yes, and here's more. I love that. That's God's heart. We just hear the yes or the no. We're not tuned into the heart behind the yes or the no. But as you walk and abide and as we commune with him, we get our hearts and his heart gets fused together. And then we start understanding why he does what he does and his motivation for why he says yes or no. Verse 8, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So maybe you're not interested right now in bearing fruit. Well, Jesus says that this is how my Father is glorified. He wants us to bear fruit. 
It's not optional. Well, you know, I'm in the mood to bear fruit this month, but next month I may not be, so I'm just going to make sure that that doesn't happen or I'm going to neglect my walk. He says, this is, this is the arrangement here. You're the bondservant, and I'm the master, and you've been bought with a price, and I get to determine your growth and your fruitfulness. So it's a lordship issue. And God comes in and just says, I, want, I, I have called you to glorify the Father. I will bear fruit through your life, but you have to walk with me, hand in hand with me. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Of course, love's going to be coming out of that communion. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Notice the word remain in that verse 11, that my joy may remain in you. We can have joy. He loves to give us joy. Maybe we had joy in 1987 with our walk with the Lord, but it hasn't remained. Or maybe it was six months ago. I had great joy. It hasn't remained. You need to abide in him. He's calling you to go into a deeper relationship with him. He's calling all of us to do that. And as we do that, then we walk in joy. We walk in victory. How else could we be more than conquerors? I'd be content with being a conqueror. He says we're more than conquerors. That only happens by him living his life, his supernatural life through our lives as we yield to him. And then we walk in joy. The last scripture I want us to look at is in 1 John. So turn over to the right. 1 John chapter 5. The Apostle John says by the Spirit in chapter 5 verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. I I feel like I have a little bit more understanding now with this revelation about knowing him who is true, and that we are in him, the intimacy that we get to experience with him because we are in him. That's a positional description. We're positionally in Christ. That's, that's our positional standing with him. And because of that, we get to, to, to know him. But we always think sometimes that uh, knowing him is just, well, that's not totally, you know, in, um, or eternal life is limited to just when I die, I go to heaven. And that's not how God defines it in the New Testament. He defines eternal life as starting now, when we receive Christ. We, and it's not talking about necessarily a, the time, it's talking about the quality of life. The quality of life. Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 3, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
He didn't say, and this is eternal life when you die and go to heaven. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you. And that word is knowledge by experience. It's to experience you, to walk closely with him, and to commune with him. And that is encompassed in eternal life. And the idea is that quality of life continues on past this, this life. And we continue to know him. We lay down this tent, and we get a new body, a resurrected body, and then we have a greater capacity to know him. It's all about knowing him. It's all about that intimacy. We always think of sometimes, you know, the eternal life is mainly to do with location. That it's off this earth into heaven and I live forever. But it's mainly talking about us having a relationship with him. And that our location changes and our capacity to worship him and know him changes. But it it nevertheless is mainly based on knowing him. Paul the Apostle said it this way in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. He said, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellent of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Verse 10, that I may know him that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul wrote this around 30 years after he first came to know Christ. He was on that that Damascus road and and he met Christ personally. And, And he got to know him and he knew him very intimately. And here he is saying at the end of his life, towards the end of his life in prison, he's saying, that I may know him. He's saying, I want to know him more now. And the closer we get to him, the more we want to know him. When someone's amazing and there's more to discover about them, we just, we just want to know him even more because there's, he's endless in terms of how we can explore who he is. We're never going to exhaust who he is. We're always going to discover more about him and always be thoroughly blessed and pleased by what we find. And so to, to know him more is to want to know him more. That's what Paul is communicating. But it could be the opposite for us. We're going the other direction. We don't want to know him more. We're going the other way. We know him less and less and less. God wants to interrupt our lives and say, stop. You're going the wrong direction. I purchased you for other reasons besides going the wrong direction. I don't want you to go the wrong direction. I purchased you to have intimacy with me. Now, real quick, I want to just give you a little bit of practical things related to uh, walking closer to him. First of all, we have to have the right view. It isn't, again, something to check off a list. It's a person whom you love, and you want to spend time with them. You You want to get to know them more. How do you get to know someone more? You spend time with them. And so you have that alone time, and, and like I said, the, the Lord may be expanding many of our times greatly to, to be in line with what he wants to accomplish through our lives and how he wants to have intimacy with us. And each one of us needs to take that to prayer. The second thing is don't get tripped up on time. Again, he's a person. And, and he's more than a person, of course, but he, he's personal. And, and he always will want more time. He'll always want to spend more time with us. But we have lives that, lives that he has set up. So he knows that we have responsibilities in that alone time. 
can only go so long sometimes. But there's that communion with him throughout the day, that, that, having, that heart that's open towards him. And so uh, how do I know how long to have that alone time for? That's a question that I've gotten many times. And the only way I can answer it, and this has really come recently, is I stop having that alone time uh, when he tells me I'm done or I realize I'm full. But either way, I just know that I'm supposed to stop. I know I'm done. And I have, many times I have that hunger, and I just want to keep going, and I have the luxury to be able to do that, and so I'll do it. So to have it all pre-planned and everything, I'm not saying he can't lead you to do that, but it's great to just be there before him and say, Lord, what do you want? How, what do you want me to read next? Uh, do you want me to worship you now? And, you know, I've gone for long, 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 long walks worshiping him and crying, out, crying my heart out to him, and, and then he speaks to me, and then I'm writing stuff down, and then puts a scripture reference on my heart. I go back to my house, and I go inside, and I look it up, and I read, and then he speaks to me more, and then I worship. I mean, it's just, there's no set template. It's, that's the beauty of having the Spirit and having him say, I won't leave you as orphans, I'll come to you. That I'll give you another counselor or another helper of the same kind to direct you because we need that. And so don't get caught up in a certain time, you know, and don't go, well, I, I just can't even imagine going hours and hours and hours. And well, maybe you can't right now. And maybe he won't lead you to go hours and hours, but, but be willing to do whatever he wants you to do and be flexible. But just don't put any limitations on it. Just, want, just aim to go follow hard after him and to seek him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and holding nothing back. And listen to him direct you and prompt you by the Spirit and how all of that's supposed to look like. Because it's going to be different for every person. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For some of us, because of our history with being in bad environments or having a legalistic relationship with God, and you're coming out of that, which is great, but we look at that verse, those verses, and it just doesn't make sense. But his yoke really is easy. His burden is light. Because as we abide in him, he gets to do all the work through our lives. And we're not having to try harder and strive and make anything happen. He just lives his life supernaturally through ours. And, 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 it's, and he loves to do it. And he wants to give rest for your souls. Is your soul not restful today? He wants you to have rest for your soul. And so whatever that looks like for you as he prompts you, go for a long walk with him or just spend time with him in your room or Jesus said go to the secret place right he said go into your room close the door and pray in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly and when you fast I mean don't leave fasting out of this when you fast don't do it like the hypocrites do where they get their reward doing it to be seen but fast and uh, not make your appearance look like you're fasting and and you know God will reward you openly it's the same thing we put down our flesh when we fast and we express our total dependence upon him. And then the volume gets turned up in many ways. And we really hear a lot of things that maybe before we uh, didn't. So it's a beautiful thing. I want to close with this scripture. Acts chapter 4 verse 13. I love this. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. 
They didn't realize that they'd been, they checked off a, a task. They'd been with Jesus. They'd, they'd been praying. They'd been worshiping. They'd been communing with him, obeying what he has said. And it changed them. They left different. They didn't have name tags on, follower of Jesus. There was something about them that was intangible. They couldn't really put their finger on what it is, but they knew these men had been with Jesus. Beautiful. I'm going to pray and close this time, and then we're going to have the worship team come up and lead us in a couple songs because I want us to open our hearts to him now and and express anything that we want to express to him, allow him the freedom to express anything to our hearts, But just, I'm praying that this has been the kind of revelation to some of us that it was for me. That was my prayer leading up to all these days, leading up to today. He's beckoning you to go deeper in the things of him. Don't look back on your failures or or how you've tried to do that in the past and failed. There's no failing when it comes to a person. You just know a person. You don't fail at knowing a person. You just know them. You just love them. You spend time with them. That's all it is. And I'd be glad to help you if you have questions related to this. You can email me um, or call me, and I'll be glad to give you some pointers or whatever. I'm still learning. I don't have the corner on any of this. This is obviously new for me in, in, in this kind of way. And so I'm just, I'm just wanting the Spirit to speak to us. And there's a reason why he did all of this. And I didn't want to keep it all to myself. That wouldn't be very loving, would it? Remember, last week we saw James say, if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. He's waiting. Let's respond. Let's pray together. Love you, Lord. We can't believe you want to be that close to us. But you do. So, Lord, would you direct each one of us individually? We're so grateful you haven't given a man-made template, but your spirit leads us and what that looks like for us. We want to know you well, Lord. We want to walk with you hand in hand. Lord, maybe we didn't realize that you wanted that kind of intimacy, but now we, get a little, we understand a little bit better. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would give us understanding. And we pray, Lord, that right now as we sing these songs to you, speak to us, Lord. Our hearts are open. Help us to respond appropriately to how you've spoken to us. And I pray for anyone's heart here that's hardened to you, Lord. I pray that you'd melt it with your goodness and your love. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them to look at the cross. The cross is the answer, Lord. We know for anything that we're struggling with, to look at your motivation of love there. We can never question that, nor should we. So we commit this next couple songs to you, Lord. Pour down on us by your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name.